Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. We've got a week full of podcasts because Atlanta United played three games in seven days and has another one coming up on Sunday. Wednesday's game, we actually get some positive stuff to talk about. It was the team's first win, 2-1 to one, against Real Salt Lake, and it's past nine games. And not only was it a a victory and three much-needed points. It was a very, very solid performance that we're going to get into in just a bit. Uh, the team will host Orlando on Sunday and another key game before it hits the road for Los Angeles, followed by Chicago the next two weeks. I will not be going to Los Angeles. I will be going to Chicago. Uh, I love that city. If you see me, hit me up. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United news now so let's go into the stats of the game really quick and then we'll start to hear some audio from a whole bunch of different people again atlanta united two to one ronaldo cisneros scored in the seventh minute and the 33rd minute he now has six goals he's tied for the team lead with dom dwyer and Luis arahujo across all competitions all of cisneros's goals have come in mls games some of the others came in a few other games um, there's some interesting stats in this one. Atlanta United dominated possession, 53.6%, which is not unusual. 1.21 expected goals for the home team to 0.65 for Real Salt Lake. They outshot them 14 to 10. More shots on target, 7 to 4. More touches inside the box, 23 to 18. More passes, better passing accuracy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the stats that I found really interesting and the players I want to highlight, Marcelino Moreno played, I think, his best defensive game that I've ever seen for the five stripes. There was a formation change to five center backs, and then Sadich and Huzetu kind of as a double pivot, then Moreno and Almeida playing underneath Cisneros. When Real Salt Lake had the ball, Atlanta would play mostly a low block with five flat across the back, four flat ahead of them, followed by Cisneros. So the Moreno and Almeida were tasked with doing defensive work that they typically don't have to do a lot of uh, deep down the field uh, when they play with four at the back, and they both played very, very well, and they need to be highlighted for that. But in addition to their defensive work, they also did well on offense. Marcelino Moreno led the team with four shots. Diego Almada had six chances created, five in the first half. He was only two off 
tying the franchise record, which he might could have gotten had he not been subbed out. Alan Franco, one of the three center backs, completed the most passes, 73. Mateus Huzetu, and I think this is a nice change, and I have to go back and look at the stats, but he completed the most passes in the final third, 19. That's been kind of a constant thing with Huzetu is you got to get the ball forward. You got to move the ball forward. And he says he likes to do that, but he doesn't do that often enough, but he did it in this game. Tego Almada and Marcelino Moreno, interestingly enough, tied for the lead in crosses attempted at six. So they were finding some really good spaces in Real Salt Lake's defense. Omar Sadich, who I thought had a fantastic game. I think the offense works very, very well, whether it's a back five or a back four with Sadich, because he is a guy who is very good at finding spaces, receiving the ball, moving it forward, and then passing it off to a teammate. It, Emerson Hyman is good in that way too, in a way that Huzetu isn't always as good at, but was last night. So that was uh, that was very, very good. Uh, Wiley and McFadden both played well. Uh, Parata in his first start really helped marshal the, the back three. You could see him constantly providing instruction, hand signals, language. It was a really, really good performance for Atlanta United. The only negative uh, as such was Real Salt Lake's goal. Uh, Johan Kapilov scored it in a header just a few minutes after Cisneros' second goal. What it came down to is Real Salt Lake put more runners into the box than Atlanta United had defenders. There was a little bit of a lack of awareness. Aid McFadden was tasked with trying to defend two players and really didn't get to Kapilov. I don't know if Kapilov's man should have been Sadich's. I don't know if he should have been Huzetu's or if he should have been McFadden's, but he was supposed to be somebody's and no one picked him up. But Atlanta United was able to see out the remainder of that first half without giving up another good chance created, which is has been rare for them this year. As you all know, when something bad happens to the team during a game, they tend to lose confidence. They tend to stop doing the things that they were doing well. But they continued. They had a really good chance. Almeida did, I think, in the final minutes. Marcelino Moreno won a free kick in the final minutes um, that Atlanta United was able to take advantage of. And then for the final five to seven minutes of the game, Real Salt Lake applied immense pressure, cross after cross after cross, corner kick after corner kick after corner kick. And Atlanta United did not give up a goal, which is something that doesn't hasn't always happened this season. They cleared them all. They got the win. They're now within three points of seventh place in the East. They're now actually within six points of fourth in the East. They don't have a game in hand on that one for Montreal, but they do have a game in hand on the team, some of the teams ahead of them above the playoff line, which includes Charlotte with 26 points, Cincinnati with 27 points, and Orlando, who they will host on Sunday again, with 29. It's a massive game for playoff implications, in my opinion, for Atlanta United. So let's start listening to some of the uh, audio after the game. Uh, the first question I asked manager Gonzalo Pineda, who I kidded because he came in almost immediately after the game. I said you were arriving early because, of course, last week it was a 70 – or after the Austin game, it was a 70-minute delay. Luckily, he found that funny, so that was good. I asked him if he saw everything he wanted to see compared to what he didn't see against Austin. I cannot say that I saw everything I wanted to see, but I can tell you I saw the most important part, which is what I told you, like the clarification in my words after the last game, is I wanted to see that fight but as a team. And today, I think we did everything as a team, whether – we can play better at times, we can create more chances, we can be more clinical in the final third, yes, all that is good. But we were attacking as a team, we were defending as a team. 
and the way we won at the end, the last five minutes, a lot of crosses, a lot of people in, inside the box. I mean, you've seen many, many times how we were giving goals at the end, just because of those second balls, the second actions, the rebounds, all that. Today, I felt that everyone was concentrated, everyone was doing what they have to do to close down a game, and I think they did a fantastic uh, job. So, very happy about it. And then he was asked, I think by Joe Patrick of uh, Dirty South Soccer, what is Pineda's takeaway after what happened on Saturday? Uh, well, the, the, the comeback of the team, the response that I saw, it was pretty good. I think you also, uh, you'll watch uh, a full team, uh, everyone trying to do what they have to do to win. And the highlight for me of the day was Marcelino sprinting back almost top of the box in one transition action that he was almost the last man and he went on the ground and saved us from, from a goal. I think that's what it speaks for itself, that the team's response was good one, was saying, hey guys, I know we've been receiving a lot of criticism and that, but we're going to respond. And today I saw that and, and that's what makes me more proud about my players. I would add that it's fair criticism in my opinion, that they've been receiving. Now, in two of the past four games, Atlanta United has played with three center backs. Red Bulls was the first. Obviously, Real Salt Lake was the second. In my opinion, there were two of the better games Atlanta United has played in a long time. So I asked Pineda if three center backs are going to be the base formation going forward. It, it can be. It can be the case for sure. There's a very good case for that. Uh, I think both games that you are mentioning, we played very good also. Regardless of the result, Red Bulls, I think we all agree that we were very good um, and we didn't win because a couple uh, mistakes, but um, today I felt it was another positive performance. Uh, I told you also that it, it wasn't about tactics too. It was about the desire, the passion and the, and the effort that we put as a team. So I, I think, yes, we can be solid with a back five and very good in possession, but I'm not concerned about that time is putting back four. That means also we can have more attackers at times. So I'm not too worried about the back line, back four. I'm worried about the mentality of the team. But yeah, there's a good case to, to continue with the back five. Now, I want to address some of that for a minute because I respectfully disagree with Pineda. And of course, my disagreement carries absolutely no water because he is a licensed coach and I'm just a dumb sports journalist. Uh, but... Confidence can come from belief in tactics, formation, a comfort level, those kind of things. I think the team, the players on the team feel more comfortable with three center backs. I feel they get more freedom to attack. Caleb Wiley said as, as much. You'll hear that in a minute. Um, Aiden McFadden was able to get forward. McFadden was mostly the attacker in the first, or Wiley was mostly the attacker on the left side of the first half. McFadden was mostly the attacker in the second half. Um, and it, it goes to just when, you're, when you have a belief in something, you're going to have that confidence and you're going to display that energy and you're, and you're going to play better. It's true of, of anything in life. It's a, a golf analogy. Whatever club is your favorite, you're going to be able to hit that one with more confidence than a club you don't believe in. It's just how it works. So I asked Tiago Almada because in my opinion, watching the game, having the three center backs took one midfielder out one central midfielder out instead and, and had two of them kind of playing flat for a while. So there was a lot more space for Almada, for Moreno, for Cisneros, for McFadden and for Wiley and even the center backs at some points when they wanted to come forward. 
Um, and it kind of, it disrupted Real Salt Lake because they, they're, they either weren't defending somebody or they had to look around to find who was moving into space around them or behind them. So here's Tiago Almada on if the formation change with three center backs gave him more room to operate. Yeah, no, good okay. No, I think I think the back uh, back line or the change at the back was just to, to help us protect uh, the back line better, uh, and they did a very good job. But the the freedom to attack we always have. It just seemed like there was more space for you to move around in compared to previous games. Yeah, there was space, and I think the the opponent also was was giving us that space, so um, we were able to take advantage. So he indirectly agreed with me on that. Um, as I referenced earlier, the defending on the corners, especially late, uh, if Pineda was happy with that, and here's his response. Yeah, I, I felt that it was perfect. It was perfect just because finishing that way, uh, receiving a lot of pressure and absorbing a lot of pressure, but also not conceding big chances, I think it was a good proof that we can also handle those situations very well that had been a little bit the ghosts of the past in those situations and today we solved it very well so so kudos to my team i think uh, i cannot highlight anyone uh, uh, above the team i think today the, the the best player was the team so as always after a win uh, players are happy they are much more approachable than after a loss um, particularly when they play well so we got to talk to quite a few players uh last night and i want to thank each of them for talking because you know sometimes some of them have to come out and talk after a loss and it's not easy and it's not fun, but I appreciate them doing it. Here's Ronaldo Cisneros, whose wife is expecting, which is fantastic news, hence his goal celebrations. If, uh, how important this win was. Muy importante. Estamos muy contentos. Very important. Uh, I think we're, we're pleased with the function of the team and, and to be able to get three points uh, and, and put us back on a, a path so we can qualify for the playoffs. Um, so, we're, we're happy with the points, and we, we just need to stay on this this path and uh, show it in the, the next games. And I need to point out, and I forgot to put it in the story because I'm a dumb guy sometimes, this was the team's first victory over a team above the playoff line this season, um, which is important for confidence, it's important for going forward, and it's important for making up ground. Orlando, obviously, is above the playoff line right now. In the West, L.A. is above the playoff line. So it's going to be important for Atlanta United to continue this run. Now here's Caleb Wiley talking about how important this win was. We needed it badly, but we all talked, uh, you know, in a meeting and, and we really came together and, and knew we had to put in the effort. So I think we all we all knew what we had to do and we all put in the put in the effort. And as I said before, Wiley played a good game. He's had he's been in a rough stretch. The um, the goal, the second goal, Austin scored because Wiley failed to clear the penalty kick by Red Bulls when he unnecessarily went to ground to tackle somebody. Um, it was good to see a young player, 17-year-old, bounce back, not let his confidence be affected and, and play well. Um, and then so Wiley was asked, how do you sustain this performance? If, you know, if it didn't really happen a lot in the first 18 games, how do you keep it going in the next 15 games? I think we know we, we just have to, that's the bare minimum and the standard for effort. Um, I think the effort was as best as it ever been this year. Um, and we really defended with our hearts the uh, last, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And, and every ball in the box, we, we cleared, we stepped our line. So I think the effort is, is, a, is a bare minimum and the standard now. 
And now another kind of interesting fact from the game is Cisneros scored two goals. It's his second multi-goal game this season. He also had a hat trick in a game. All of his goals have come when he is a single striker. Uh, I looked that up today. His other goal against New England came when he was a single striker. Uh, so I asked him, why does he score most of his goals as a single striker? I think because it's my natural position and also the way that we play, um, we're always creating uh, a lot of crosses that, that go in towards the center forward. So, um, you know, whoever's playing there is going to have chances. We have so many talented uh, quality guys on the team that uh, it's just a function of the team that that, that player in that position is going to have chances. So there you go. All right. Uh, we are going to go to a break. Then we're going to come back and answer your questions about the team and the game. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Doug Robertson. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, I don't do a lot of work on Instagram, but you can follow me there at Douglas David Robertson. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this Southern Fried Soccer podcast. If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC, and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week. But we are also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. And if I said that too fast for you to remember or write down, I include it uh, at the bottom of every story. Every story you see on ajc.com and you read, you will find that promo. So you can look for it there. All right, end of the questions. Adam, friend of the podcast, says, sorry this is late. This is going to be a long one. Uh, it's a three-parter. But like many fans last night, I was so pleased with the effort on display, I simply didn't want to sully the mood with technical analysis. I was too content to just go to sleep happy. First off, credit where it's due. The team as a whole displayed a work rate and commitment to team defense that I don't think they've shown yet this season. Their effort to close down opposing ball handlers was especially impressive and made a tremendous difference in providing coverage for Atlanta United's advancing players. So, quick break. As an example, Cisneros' second goal came from that. Mateus Huzetu had an a errant pass, went to Real Salt Lake player. He recognized the error, worked to correct it, and intercepted that Real Salt Lake player's next pass. The deflection went into space for Cisneros to run onto and score from. So continue with Adam. Wiley and newcomer Parata still had some issues on their overlaps, but the formation, the hustle, and the obvious strategic intent in closing down RSL's attacks minimized the opportunities for Atlanta's weaknesses to be exploited. I felt McFadden and Campbell were exceptional in this regard, and that Moreno, Almeida, Sadich, and Cisneros were also great in pressuring opponents into bad passes or turnovers. I know this was a home game against an RSL side that struggles on the road, but the display revealed the potential of this team better than most every match this season. Hopefully the lads saw and felt the same and can sustain this injury. Energy. <laughs> Sorry. Kudos also to the crowd. 
in addition to our number of L.A. style fans arrive late and leave early. The reason for that was because security got moved indoors and it was just taking longer for people to get to their seats because there was a big rainstorm that apparently affected things. I was deeply concerned about blowback from the supporters group's actions this past weekend. Thankfully, it felt everyone was committed to doing better and the fans did pick up on the players early displays of hustle and aggression. The atmosphere picked up early, got a boost from Cisneros' first goal and sustained a pretty high level of support from there. We've been louder for longer before, but having camped out in the supporters' end since our first match at Grant Field, I can't recall many times where I've felt as proud of the fans. And hopefully y'all remember, because uh, I said it a few times and I tweeted it a few times, the first 10 minutes of the first half were going to be key to this game. And Atlanta United got that first goal in the seventh minute, and they're like 72-19-17, and 17, I think, in their history when they score the first goal. So it's immensely important to this team for its success. Adam continues, how much do you rate last night's result to the renewed work rate, to the personnel involved, or to the change in formation? Do you think Franco plays better when the center of a back three as opposed to being in a back four? I think all of the above. Yeah, and I think Franco is much better in a back three than a back four. Um, as I said earlier, I think the team likes the back five formation better than the back four, but it does raise questions. Where does Luis Arahujo play? And if he's in, you're leaving out either Moreno or Almeida. That's tough. It's a tough, tough thing for Pineda to figure out. Adam continues, I love Joseph, and he will always be a legend for this club, but I think right now Cisneros might actually be better as a central striker. He works harder going side to side, pressuring opponents, and seems to be more in tune with the options Almeida and Moreno look for from someone making runs inside a packed defense. Is this thinking a false dawn off a few matches, or is it possible the stripes attack can be more potent by moving away from their one-time talisman. This is what I'll say about that. The first goal that Cisneros scored, I don't think Martinez would score this season. It was a nice run. It was a strong run. I, I don't think Martinez would have gotten to that ball first. I think Martinez is steadily improving physically, but right now it would not have happened. The second goal, I think Joseph would have probably scored. Uh, but the first goal, he wouldn't. A lot is just going to depend upon the tactics that Pineda expects from opponents. Real Salt Lake played a high line. I don't think they were expecting Cisneros to be the, the lone striker, and they didn't really adjust as the game went on. And Cisneros, he has such long strides, and you can just see him getting faster as he runs down the field. I think it surprised Real Salt Lake's defenders. So I think when Pineda expects a team to play in a low block, as Austin did, you're probably going to see Martinez. I think when he sees teams play in a high block, a high line, you're probably going to see Cisneros. Gary says, under the new Apple TV deal, which starts next season, game days and start times are going to be dictated by Apple. Do you know what those dates and times will be? Hopefully they're thinking of the fans. Yeah, this has been previously reported, Gary. Most games are going to be Wednesday nights and Saturday nights. There are going to be some exceptions. If there's venue conflicts with like a concert or something at Mercedes-Benz, the game will probably move to Sunday. Um, game times are going to be standard. I think what you're going to see is um, a two-hour um, gap from East Coast to Central to Mountain to West Coast. So they're all going to start, or maybe a one-hour gap, they're all going to start at 7.30 in their time zones because Apple wants to do kind of a, a, a whip-around goal show, and this will help them do that. Um, but that's going to be the, that those are going to be the games. 
Ben and Nick asked a similar question, so I combined it. The team showed fight and intensity tonight, but they were gassed by the 65th minute. I am not sure tonight's performance is sustainable with the depth issues the team is currently facing. Do you think the team can maintain this intensity game after game? I do. Uh, I think that Pineda waited for Salt Lake to make its personnel changes, and it made all five of them pretty quick, to see how he should counter. Um, he brought in Abara. He brought in Sosa. He brought in Joseph when Cisneros got tired. He brought in Chole when McFadden got tired. So he brought in fresh legs. So they, they were able to, to sustain that. And by that time, they had a two-to-one lead. While I'm sure Pineda was thinking it would be really nice to get that third goal, you have to protect that one goal lead. Joseph was put in there to try to get that third goal. Uh, but the team did it. And then uh, Nick continues. Additionally, what do you think of the midfield? What do you think the midfield and attack will look like on Sunday? I think it's going to be the exact same thing. I hope Sadich gets to play a little bit more because I never seem to be disappointed with his performances. Thanks always for your awesome coverage. Thanks, Nick. And then here's the last one. And this goes back into the Roe v. Wade Dobbs stuff. Uh, the person asked to remain anonymous, and I will grant him that anonymity because I granted it to the two previous guys. And this is a theory he, he posits. I'm a founding member and sit in the club section. Atlanta United has been very progressive regarding pride and Black Lives Matter, as those both poll pretty high overall. However, Atlanta United has been silent about Dobbs or Roe v. Wade being overturned. My th- this is his theory, is we have a huge Hispanic fan base. The majority of the club seating is Hispanic families with children, in my experience, and our players are mostly Hispanic from conservative countries. I have no idea if that's true. Abortion polls 50-50 in the U.S. depending upon the question's wording. Our supporter section is mostly college-educated white. He describes them as liberals. Again, I have no idea if that's true. But they spend very little compared to club ticket holders. Again, I don't know if that's true. So from a business standpoint, the best play is to stay silent and offend the lowest number of high-paying customers. I get that people live in information bubbles. But I've been surprised at the number of leftist supporters who are seemingly unaware that a majority of women and minorities are against unlimited abortion. To quote Michael Jordan, Republicans buy sneakers too. Thoughts? Um, it's a theory. I, I have no idea if that's what Atlanta United is thinking. Uh, I have no idea if that's what Arthur Blank is thinking, but it's a theory. And I gave other people a platform, so I'm, I'm going to give you a platform. Um if y'all want to respond to his theory on the Twitters, you're welcome to. Uh, if uh, somebody on the other side wants to share a theory, uh, I will read that. Uh, and I will grant you anonymity because I want to give both sides to everyone because I am make every attempt most of the time, or all of the time, I should say, to be an unbiased, objective journalist. All right. We're going to wrap up the Southern Fried Soccer podcast because at 12.15, I have to get on a financial aid seminar for my daughter, who's going to be a sophomore at Georgia, and I have to figure out how to pay the bills. As always, hug your loved ones. Communicate with your loved ones. We will have another podcast Friday afternoon previewing Atlanta United Orlando. And y'all take care. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. 
Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,